Well, you know, G-E-N, you ever hear of it? And uh, it was said, the study of, of Buddhism is the study of self. And to study the self is to forget the self. I really like that. Then he went on and on. But I just like that, really. It's a beautiful statement. Because the whole point of learning about, quote-unquote, you, is to realize you're not that. That's the whole point. Yeah? You can't learn about what you are. It's impossible because it's not a learned thing. It's not a topic. It's not a subject that you can acquire and grasp and then claim and own. But you can definitely learn about what you're not. And uh, we were talking the other night about, you ever hear of the Enneagram? The Enneagram and Sufism? It was a period where it got popular and then people give uh, retreats on it. And it was a way of like uh, casting every mental, like conditional uh, mind characteristics as people into nine divisions. Yeah, And then they had two subdivisions. So, so people would go on a retreat and they learn these, they learn what, number they were, like one through nine. Yes? So there they'd be sitting there, and they'd have a revelation. I'm a one, or I'm a seven, or I'm a six with a subdivision eight of sex, or whatever. It's crazy. But the whole point is, you're not. See? You learn that you're a one to forget that you're a one. Yeah? You learn that you're the seven to forget that you're the seven. That's the whole point to me. It's not to acquire a new identification or an added. Now, I'm a spiritual seeker. I'm really fucked because I'm a seven. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, you want to go the other way. You want to go less, not more. So in, in recovery, they talk about it as self-knowledge avails you nothing. It's a beautiful statement, yeah? Because you would think that knowledge would avail you a lot. And it would on a lot of topics, but not on, on self. Yeah? Because if the knowledge of self is acquired or held as a self, that's not going to lead you to any freedom from self, yeah? It's like becoming a professor of holes, but you keep finding yourself in holes. It's not causing you to miss the hole, but you know that you're in a hole. Great, you know? And you know the dimensions of a hole and how it feels to be in a hole, but I'd much rather not be in a hole. To me, that's the knowledge. So... Self-knowledge avails you nothing because the main movement of selfing, if you want to check it out, is to claim. That's what it does, yeah? So it's a mental process, and there is no self. There is no object or fixated point of it. It's selfing, yeah? But when the selfing is listened to, not heard, but listened to, then there's a feeling that it's you that's listening to it. That's the product of the selfing. Selfing produces a product, which is the feeling of being the one who is hearing it, yeah? And, as, and that's the product of the selfing. But the product feels like it was prior to the selfing. Like, I'm the one that's being selfed on, or I'm the one who's doing the selfing. That's the product of selfing. That's what it wants to produce. The feeling of being the owner, or the doer, or the haver, or the chooser, yes? So when you're living from there, you're at the end of a conveyor line already. You're, in other words, you may think that you're the alpha and the omega, you're like the first square of the game board, but you're at square five, basically. And from square five, the game board looks totally different than from square zero. Yeah? And you can't turn around 
at square five and then and then try to get the square zero, that's like square ten. But you call it zero. You're actually going more into the game thinking you're getting out of the game. Yeah? So you learn about self to find an authentic self. <laughs> there you have it, really. <laughs> and then, once you find your authentic self, it authenticates, authenticates everything you did. <laughs> you see, it had value. It led me to the authentic self. <laughs> That's like square 14. <laughs> square 5 can't get the square 0. It's impossible. There's a recognition you're not at square five. That's square zero. Yeah? Square five can never get back to square zero. There's a recognition you're not on square five. That's square zero. Yeah? There's a recognition you're not on square ten. That's square zero. Yeah? Square zero is the dominant, the only square of the game, basically. All the other, all the other squares are appearances based on an ignorance about square zero. Yeah? When there's an ignorance of square zero, then there's tons of squares in the game. The square, the game progresses geometrically in time and space, yeah? A small little miscalculation can grow with time, yes? And with enough space for it to appear in, it can really go. And here we are. Yeah. And now we're trying to find square zero, but we're looking from square five. The dilemma is that you're not looking from square five. There's only square zero. There's I know, I know, but how do I get back to square zero? No. That's <laughs> just see who's at square five. Yeah? Really see. See who, who who's actually at square five. Who is the doer? Who is the chooser? Who is the owner? Who is the claimer? Who has the life? Who has the time? Yeah? It's a heist, but there's no one that's doing the heist. The heist is that there's a feeling that there's someone that did it. That's the heist. Yeah, that's the heist. As soon as that feeling is in place, as soon as the selfing has produced its goods, which is the feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, then it's just like John Coltrane riffing. It just riffs on impossibilities like separation. It riffs on impossibility that you're the source of love but you never feel love. It riffs on total impossibilities. Yeah? And then you keep relying on, an, on, on a logic from an insane system. It sounds incredibly logical but it's based on an insane system called self-centeredness. Yeah? So if there is no problem, there's no need for a solution. If there is a problem, you're going to be in the business of solutions. Yeah, There's going to be tons of them coming your way. Tons of them. There'll be one solution when that's not enough. I remember I saw a full-page ad of like extreme turbocharged Buddhism. Like Buddhism wasn't enough. Now it's got to be like a workout. You know, we're gonna get, we're gonna get in Buddhist shape today with this extreme radical turbocharged Buddhism. You mean Buddhism isn't enough? Nothing's never going to be enough. Yeah? 
Because everything is too much. It's too much. It's not that it's not enough. It's too much. It's about getting simplified, not expanding. Yeah? So there's one point that you'll give up. You'll be relieved of the need to be liberated. Because what needs to be liberated isn't you. Really. It's an apparition of the mind. And it needs relief. It does. I can't put it past it. It needs freaking relief. It's ravenous. Because... It's trying to mine relevance out of everything so that it can feel relevant. And yet, inherently, it knows it doesn't exist. It's irrelevant. Yeah, The true relevance doesn't need any advertising. It doesn't need any reinforcement. It is. Yeah. I'm fired up, man. I just had it with... I've seen so many people suffering incredibly this week. Just... Uh, just from a parasite, a mental parasite called alcoholism. And it says in the program of, of recovery, there is no mental defense against that first drink. So if the problem is a mental one, then there can't be a mental solution to it. Yes? And in the same case, alcoholism to me is just an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness. So the sense of being a self is a mental condition and you can't use a mental process to get out of a mental condition. Yeah, You have to seek another solution that has nothing to do with the problem. Yeah. So a lot of people, they know exactly why they're fucked, but they're still fucked. That doesn't, it's self-value has no, not, that self-knowledge has no value. Because it's not changing a damn thing. It's actually adding on to it. It's making it worse. There's nothing like there's nothing like going through a process of getting your ass kicked and then observing for days on end how how you did it. You know? And then there's a feeling that, oh, that's what happened, and now I'm here observing it. No, the observing it is part of it happening. The seeking of a solution is part of this of the the process of the problem. There's no point where the mental condition leaves the realm of the problem. None. So if there's a, either subtle reliance on self or a strong reliance on self, there's nothing called a surrender. It's all conditional. It's like a deal you're making. Oh, I'll give up this, but I won't give up that. So I'll go along with the plan, but unless it comes to that point... That's not surrender. Surrender is the admittance that a failed system has become dominant. Yes? And that there's no way, if I go and study about obsession with self t for two years, that could be construed as obsession with self. You can't get out of self as self. So when you get the, the fundamental functioning of the Chinese thumb puzzle thing, then there's a stopping or a pause. And in that pause, yeah? In that pause, the conditional mind may get frozen and now a download from another aspect of mind will come. And where it comes from, who knows, but it is of a timeless nature. And when what it downloads may only look like it happened in a half a second, but its effects can be for the rest of your life. It can shift the paradigm of your mind in, that, in a nanosecond and then the effects will show for the rest of your life. That's a solution. That's the definition of solution. 
one of the qualities of the solution is timelessness. So it's not produced by, by processes or practices. They may, they may amplify it, they may cultivate it, they, but they can't produce it yeah, because it's already in place. So then you learn about the self. To do what? To forget it. Yeah? Because the best way to forget something if you realize it's not about you. I'm serious. I've seen it in my life. I use the example all the time that let's say there's someone, there's a meeting in that room and there's a girl that's in that meeting that I'm interested in, biblically, let's say. You know, I like to be having kids with her. I haven't even talked to her, but I have this whole idea. She's going to be my... 50th savior, you know. Yeah, she's going to save me this time. Yes. All the other ones weren't the one. She's the one. <laughs> so I'm, I'm supposed to be doing this talk, but my interest is in there. Yes? And this assumption that that's your interest and your attention, then call it off. See, where, see if it comes back to you like a dog. It doesn't go anywhere. It's still in the other room, waiting to hear what she has to say, because you're hoping it's going to be about you, so that you don't have to go through the incredible fearful condition of maybe I'll be rejected if I ask her something. So I'm going to see if I got, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hedge my bet. And oh, oh, I really like that guy, Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so there I am, and then she says something, and she says, "Man, I really like that guy, Matt." What happens? Do I have to study how to lose interest in that conversation in the other room? <laughs> or do I just lose interest in it because it's what? Not about me. Could you imagine if that little example, and it's a principle behind it, it's not a random example, it's a principle that if something's not about you, you will lose interest in it. Yeah? What would happen if K-Paul, this little personal station you have going on up there, wasn't truly about you, you would be hearing it, but you wouldn't be listening to it anymore. That's the freedom. That's the traveling lighter. Yeah. What before, one thought could create a cataclysmic event by you following it. That one thought lives up to its own nature. It comes and goes. Yes? It doesn't even leave a trace. Your contentment and peace of mind hasn't even been, it hasn't even touched the surface of your mind. It just skimmed almost like a rock that never hit the surface. Maybe if it's really meaningful, it hits it a couple times, but it still goes. Yes? So the mind, your state of mind now is able to enjoy peace of mind because it's content. It's not resting on an agitated mental process called selfing. There's no peace in selfing. Yeah? It's either, it has a desire, like in Buddhism it says, all right, everyone's suffering. Everyone has a malaise in their life. Everyone feels a sense of dissatisfaction. Yeah? Sort of a causes a lot of seeking and stuff. He says, you know why? It's desire. Yeah? Okay? Now, what do you need to do? Well, in my case, I believe it's not just desire, it's desire to become. Yeah? That's all the selfing is doing. It has a desire to become something, and it has a desire to unbecome. So if I feel like I'm a loser, I'm trying to become something else. Yeah? So my desire to, to become sometimes is more of a desire to unbecome. Now, the thing is, the selfing cannot be. It can never fulfill the desire. It can never become what it wants, and it can never be unbecome what it thinks it is, because it isn't either. It never completes any mission. 
because it can't become a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It cannot become because you are already something. More, I'd say nothing. Yeah, You are of awareness or of spirit. You cannot totally have that forgotten and become a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. You can only appear to be. Yeah. So all of its desires are constantly thwarted, constantly thwarted. It works really hard, and then it has a sense of becoming. And then someone says, hey, you're not that. Oh, and then you are become it, and then you become what you didn't want to be. And then back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. How can mind rest on that? If he says desire is the cause of suffering, well, if your mind is in selfing, you are the, at the root cause of the suffering. All the other stuff is geometrically progressing. The real suffering is the mind's desire to become what it can't be and the unbecome what it never was. Yeah? There can be no peace there. It can't rest. Mind has the ability to reflect. What it's reflecting now is mental agitation all day. Yeah? Because it's been pointed at that reflection, that agitation, because that's the pointer of to your phantom me. Yeah? So here... Glasses, yes? Now, I changed the meaning of these glasses. My glasses. Now the glasses are used to point to the owner, yeah? Problem. Oh, yeah. My problem. Point to this. Action. My action points to this. This whole place is, all the conscious contact is being used to point to the phantom subject, you. It's actually called me, actually. The mind is reflecting that, so it can never reflect what it is because there isn't any you. There's just the building and the destruction of you. Yeah? So that's why it's reflecting. So its reflection is always agitated. It's like where I surf. There's a lagoon before you hit the beach. And when I drive by there, I look at it to see how the wind is. So the wind, when the wind is on it, all you see is the surface. It's all moving all around like this and that. But when it's really calm, it reflects its surroundings. The trees, the sky, that incredible big open sky. It's the same thing. If mind is watching this agitation, and yet all it is is agitation, that's what it's seeing. It's only seeing the surface. It's not seeing the deepness of the quality of reflection. It's not seeing infinity reflected. So it can't, it's not enjoying peace of mind. It can't see its original face. And so, therefore, we're busily looking to get relief from that, that predominant situation, but all our looking is ignorance. We're looking instead of stopping and seeing, but we're now trying to look for the seeing. Yeah? We're in self-centeredness, which is a form of looking, and we're trying to use a form of looking to see, to find the seeing. How successful has it been? then when are you going to get off the dead horse? Self-centeredness is a form of looking, yeah? And it's actually a form of blindness to what? Seeing. You can't recognize the seeing from the looking. So maybe if you're not the one that's looking, the seeing will become obvious, yeah? But if you keep trying to see it through the looking, it ain't going to happen. It can't stabilize. 
Yeah? Because the dominant is the, the dominant situation is the looker. Yeah? Selfing will still be playing God. It's so funny. I felt more comfortable at this meeting in San Quentin than I do at Marin County meetings. <laughs> much more approachable than most people I see at meetings in Marin. <laughs> and these are people who killed people. <laughs> because, because of their circumstances, they've been broken down and something's coming up. Yeah, it's beautiful in a way. So if you want to see, simply look at a thought system. Yeah, Just look at the thoughts up there. And just, it's like they say in politics, you know, follow, with, follow the money. Well, look at the thoughts and follow, follow the value. What are the thoughts mostly valuing, past and future, yes? They're not valuing now at all. They're happening now, but they're always about there and then. Okay? So there you go. That system of thought its value system, to me, is totally crazy. It's on what's not happening, more than what's happening, yeah? Now, what's the center of that system of thought? Self-centeredness. So self is the center. If you want to see what can happen to the system, don't go out and try to change the system, just question the center. If there isn't a long-lasting independent separate entity, the system may collapse and be reconstructed. That will serve you better. You'll travel lighter, yes? The value of the day will be here, not in the past and the future. You'll see the unimportance of things that are actually not happening and the incredible importance of what's happening. And no matter what you want to say, what's not happening, anything can happen there in what's not happening. It's always based only on your imagination. But What's happening has one quality that what's not happening doesn't have, which is it's happening. Yeah? And this one quality, maybe not appreciated, can override all of the magical thinking of what's not happening. Just by being conscious now, which you are already that, yeah? but being aware of that is the, is the solution to what's not happening. And most of the anxiety is from what's not happening. Yeah? So follow it. A thought is a thought, but until it becomes my thought, then it becomes very heavy. Yeah? You're going to try to change the thoughts? Just look at the mind. If they're not your thoughts, you may lose interest in them. It's your interest that they're using to drive you crazy. They don't have any interest in and of themselves. They're just a thought. It's what we give to them through the mind. So we're questioning the mind. Am I the thinker? Yeah? Or am I the object of the thoughts? Let's say Deb comes and she's talking to me about the thought system about next week that's driving her crazy. She can sit as close as she wants to me. It's not contagious. Yeah? And because why? It's not happening. <laughs> it's literally not happening no matter how convinced she is that it's going to happen it still can't 
go past the point that it's happening. Yeah, no matter how much you believe it's going to happen, it actually can't turn into happening. Yeah. <laughs> so what would happen if when someone came over and started talking to me about their troubles that aren't happening, I usually get bored in a minute. You know, I'd rather do anything else. But what's the difference with the same thought system but held as being about me? Yeah, same thought system but about me. I've been entranced by it for 40 years. I have a total immunity in about 10 seconds to Debs, but I can't seem to get out of this for 40 years. What's the difference? They're both the same thought system, self-centeredness, because one's held as hers and one held as mine. It's the her and my. That's the bondage of self. It's not the activities of the mind. It's who they're happening to or who, they're, who, or who is it that's doing it. That's the bondage. Yeah. If you can diagnose a disease, there's a possibility that when you learn about self, it'll distill into one big statement, I'm not that, and then you'll forget about self. And then now your constant state will be a forgetting of self instead of a remembering of self. Because here, in the moment, it's very easy to forget about self because it's not actually happening. Self has to be remembered, yeah? That's why everything is a refeeling, like a resentment means to refeel, yeah? Everything's a refeeling, everything's a rethinking, everything's a rehashing, because in the rehashing and rethinking and refeeling, something is remembered, and that's you. You have to be remembered because you are not so. So your relativity here, your relevance here is based on remembrance. It's not based on fact. Yeah? It may give you a little relief from this barrage, like in the course they would say, hey, you know, your attack thoughts are attacking your invulnerability. Yeah? If you have the sense that they're not your thoughts, that actually increases the sense of invulnerability to them. There'll still be attack thoughts, but there'll be nothing that they can attack. They need an object. They need a, they need a, a, a target to get. And that's used as the body, yes? As the action figure, as the historical person. That's where, how they attack. That's what they attack. They never attack the spirit. So this, in a way, maybe if your mental condition would diminish, then another condition of mind would become amplified. It's not, it wouldn't expand, but your interest and attention would notice it, yeah? So in your experience here, it would expand. It doesn't expand, but in your experience, it would expand, yeah? Because now the interest and attention would be going to that realm instead of to the mental realm. Why not? Check it out. There's nothing like stabilized relief. Nothing. There's nothing like contentment of mind. There's nothing like being able to just by your inherent nature, outshine circumstances and situations. There's nothing quite like it. It's the most reliable thing of all, and it's been right where you've been sitting this whole time. You've just been calling it me, instead of calling it I, in a sense. You don't need to call it at all. So.
See, we were at this meeting last night, and I was sharing that, you know, I'm not, I don't identify with everyone here, but I definitely identify with what's taken them over. Because I've had the same mindset as the dominant set called alcoholism, and that's what I'm identifying with. I'm not identifying with you. I'm identifying with the parasite that took you over because the same parasite took me over. And it doesn't have an infinite amount of qualities. It has a very limited set of qualities that have been described in the big book of AA. And everyone who suffers from that parasite can learn about it in the hope that they'll forget it. Yes? Not to know it better, but to forget it. (laughs) So the problem won't exist for you anymore because it doesn't exist as you anymore. Yeah? The only way the experience, the problem doesn't exist for you, can stabilize, is when it doesn't exist as you. That's the only way. You cannot stabilize an experience. You're not going to stay in that experiential state you think you had one time. You're never going to make that consistent and, and stabilize. But you can stabilize the state. Yeah, You can say, hey, I'm not that. Yeah, And then spiritual experiences come and go. But the state is, a, is there. Yeah? Any questions there? I'm going to co- run a couple of laps around this thing. I'm ready to go. Yes. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, what do you mean that we refer to the I? I'm talking about spirit awareness then. Yeah. Awareness? Yeah, yeah. Conscious. I don't like the word consciousness because consciousness can be expressed differently here through whatever animal or thing it's coming through, you know? You know what I mean? Humans have a certain spectrum and then animals, certain animals have another spectrum. Yeah? Usually defined by the gates that the consciousness is coming through. Yeah? It's like our eagles see incredible. They can see, they're super high, they can see, you know, the shoelaces right down here. We don't have eyes like that. But it's the exact same awareness moving through it. But the awareness's expression is defined by the camera it's moving through. Yeah? Yes? Yes. Oh, good. I mean, I have a long story, and it's not your story, but and my intellectual mind says this guy's crazy. <laughs> this kind of stuff I don't even understand. But there's something that you seem to be happy, and that's all I want to be is happiness. So yeah. I, I, there's there's a connection that I have. You have something I want. I'm also thinking about moving back to rent. I left here in 1968, so this was a real different place. Zine comes and picks me up, and then I meet you later. <laughs> now that's my afternoon job. I'm the driver. This is a 
All right, well, that's it. No more questions? Yeah? All right, good. Well, we'll let, let me get a basket. We'll pass the basket. Everyone feel like they got enough? The chips or anything? No. Bucket, yes, that's the bucket over there. Two rounds. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, I got fired the other day passing around. I'm, I'm unemployed. I'm gonna put a. I'm gonna go outside and have a sign. I'll talk for food. <laughs> Wait a minute, what did I happen? I just, something came up. Did I just say any other questions? <laughs> you did. I thought of one. Correct me if I stand. Desire under the vehicle I to be a motivator, but desire <laughs> under the vehicle self-defeating is self-defeating. I can disagree. Well, just find out yourself. See what happens. Yeah? Just see. Like, let's say you're walking around, everything seems pretty cool, yeah? Then you see something you want. What happens to your, everything gets tunnel vision, doesn't it? So the rest of the day, let's say there's 40 people, and then you see somebody you would like to be with or something. So now that that open uh, lens just goes immediately tunnel vision on them, right? So everything now gets excluded, and that becomes the center, yeah? So you contract, yeah? So as you're contracting there, you're also contracting here to the one who wants it, yeah? So there's this big open field, and suddenly it all contracts, yeah? And then that contraction is fueled by wanting to feel open, but now you think that thing you desire is going to produce that feeling open while you were walking around open to begin with. But now suddenly, yeah? So the contraction, hey, I want relief. And so now you think that's going to bring you to relief. You go for it, and usually what happens is it fails you. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with it, but it's sort of like putting a ton of product on a half-ton pickup. It can't handle the the, uh, the weight. They're not, they're not there to save you. Yes? It's all mental. The mind's just contracting over objects. This object and other objects. Yeah, It contracts. 
and then it gives that object the meaning that it's going to be expansive to them. Yeah? But, yeah. So it produces the contraction, and then it gives its solution to the contraction. Her is going to expand. You see? It's all mental's playing God. In AA, it says the first requirement of the third step is to quit, oh, the, the third step is to quit playing God. And then it says, next, in this drama of life, God's going to be the director, we're going to be his, whatever, instruments. But if you look at it linearly, first is more important than next. So the most important thing is to see what's playing God. Which I would say is the selfie. It's playing God. It's telling you how you are, how they are, how they're going to be, how you're going to be. Just like the lady I just spoke to before the meeting. The worst enemy she's she's coming up against is her own head. It's telling her, I'm never going to get it, I'm a loser, and all like this. It's just piling on. Yes? Yet, she has so much reliance on that, she can't pull away from that bad that bad uh, advertising. She has no immunity to it. Yes? None. It's everybody's worst enemy, isn't it? I mean, you know, nobody has a worse enemy than the enemy in their head. Yeah. So... You have to see, when you rely on something, yes? It's sort of like when you own something, it owns you. So when you rely on something, it's going to own you. So you're going to suffer by the reliance on what's not reliable. You're going to suffer greatly from that reliance. Or your mind is going to get agitated by that reliance. Yet, because it's relied on it, it can't break away. Because it will seek a solution to it from it. Yeah? It's like a self. It's like a self-important loop you can't seem to get out of. The whole solution is you were never in it. That's the whole solution. Once you believe you're in it, then your drive is to get out of it. That's another form of being in it. But if you realize you're not in it, that's out of it. The out, the experience of being out, is a recognition you were never in. There's no experiencing of being out if there's the fact that you were in. It's only going to be temporal and limited. You'll be out, but inevitably back in. But the real being out is the recognition or realization you were never in. That's that's the only out that stabilizes. Yeah? The only out that can stabilize is that you weren't in it. Try it. See it. Does that mean past experiences didn't happen? I'm No, past experience. Well, experiences happened, but they didn't happen to you. <laughs> They, who knows what they, you think they happened to her? Yeah. This isn't about saying nothing's happening. It's just saying who's it happening to? Yes. What more? Yeah, Clayton, I'm so. Myself. When, like you, you were talking about um, when these thoughts come in, um, you, know, you pause and you recognize these thoughts, so you don't get, so you don't get into self. How is there a way to uh, like pause and catch these these thoughts that come in, and um, instead of identifying them as mine, me, this is self? Um, is there a way to, to, to no like, let go and let you know, no because that is a form of self? You were saying the letting go is just the, the acknowledgement of the seeing of it. Yeah. Right. 
See, usually when there's a seeing of it, the it gets emphasized and the seeing doesn't get emphasized. If the seeing would be emphasized, that would be it. <laughs> but usually it's the it that's emphasized. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The seeing is always available at times. It's demonstrating itself every moment in conscious contact. If the calibration of your interest and attention could just shift there, which it will if you realize what it's on now isn't about you. It will move, yeah? And you will know it move by its fruits. Something will happen in your life. You'll start traveling lighter in a stabilized way, and that the shift has occurred, yeah? You moved out of something. Your attention and interest is now relieved of the bondage of self. It's now attending to something or nothing, and that's, that same interest and attention is now enriching your life instead of enslaving your life. It's, a, it's, just a, it's the same energy, yeah? Just like faith. Everyone has faith, but faith expresses or manifests here by the vehicle it's put in. So if you have faith in the thought system, it's going to produce tons of anxiety. That's what it's going to do. If you have faith in mind, it's going to produce an ease and comfort in your own skin. It's the same faith. It's not like you need to get faith. We're, we're <laughs> I mean, for you to be seemingly affected by what's not happening, that's a giant miracle. I mean, at least when Lazarus was brought from the dead, he was once alive. You're making something out of nothing. You're just thinking about a future event, and you're producing or evoking a sense or a feeling. That's a miracle worker. Your mind is working miracles all day. Yeah, It's just in the wrong vehicle. It's put it into this thought system. And so, oh, so let's, let's just let's imagine what it would be like to be in separation. Here you go. <laughs> Here you go. The mind of John Coltrane's been riffing for eight, you know eight hours. This is what it's like. You're loved, but you're not loved. Just riffing like crazy, and then we're dancing to the tune as if it's real and solid. Jesus Christ! She's oh, recording still. All right. Well, that's it. Eh? Yes. Yes, a very big distinction. Something that happens to the mind, or, or no, it, it's something that happens within the mind. Is a thought process. Help me here. All right, let's say here. There's the sky. That's the mind. Yeah. There's a cloud. That's a thought process. This thing, this strange little activity called interest and attention, is on the cloud. What's forgotten? It's the sky. Exactly. Exactly what it's like. We're stuck on the clouds and we've missed the sky. It's so like the fish never knows it's in water. Yeah? It's just like nobody here went to a cafe this morning and listened to people uh, complain about gravity's effects on them. Yeah? Because gravity, as long as there's a body, there's always going to be the effects of gravity. Therefore, you don't have an experience of it at all. So what's always so can't be noticed. Yeah? So... Thought system, selfing, is a cloud. Our interest and attention is absorbed in it because the cloud infers that there's a me, a special, long-lasting, independent, separate entity. The cost of that is you miss the sky. You take the cloud to be the sky. So if the cloud's raining, it's going to be raining forever. If the cloud's this, it's going to be this, yeah? And yet, the solution is at the same spot, the same moment, the same place, 
that you're at, except your attention now gets diffused from the selfing into the sky. That's what happens. You start traveling lighter. Doesn't mean the clouds don't appear, but they appear in a sky. They don't become, they don't have the ability to eclipse the, the hugeness of sky, this one little cloud anymore. Yeah? You woke up. That's, yeah, that's it. Yeah.